0: Hello and welcome to Simply Why. I'm your host, Connor Reed. Simply Why is a podcast brought to you by Indiana Wesleyan University, where we do a deep dive into the stories behind our outcomes. Our guests share the choices that changed their lives, the paths that led them to where they are, and of course, the why at the heart of it all. Our guest today is Dr. Jamise Curtis-Banks. Dr. Banks is the founder and CEO of Whatever It Takes Consulting Incorporated and is an experienced organizational development consultant. She has provided interactive learning and training for over 25 years and has served as adjunct faculty at IUPUI. She's also obtained a doctorate in organizational leadership from Indiana Wesleyan University. Dr. Banks, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Connor, for having me. I'm excited to be able to uh, contribute to your great podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. All right. Well, we'll just dig in with the, the really tough questions. All right.
1: Okay. I'm ready.
0: Question number one. Coffee or tea?
1: Mm, definitely coffee, but it has to have French vanilla creamer.
0: All right. Question number two books or magazines?
1: Oh, uh, I'm a book person, and actually, I want to hold a book in my hand. I don't count Kindle and all of those other things as a book. Like, I want to hold a book, and mysteries are my favorite.
0: Ooh, any favorite authors?
1: I don't really have a favorite author, but I prefer authors where it's a big surprise. Like some books are sort of predictable and I want to be like shocked at the end. Right.
0: There you go. All right. Question number three, cake or pie?
1: Mm. I'm not a sweets person. And so I would eat cake without frosting, which my husband always says, I don't know how you manage that. So I guess I'd have to choose pie because I can do the fruit thing and I love crust and I don't have to worry about all the sugar.
0: There you go. So you have made your own company, you're doing great. Where did you start out? Like what was kind of the starting point for you for this whole venture?
1: So my background before Indiana Westland, before my doctorate in Indiana Westland, was in K-12 education. And I have always wanted to ensure, I grew up on the South side of Chicago, very segregated Chicago from a, a housing standpoint. And so I went to elementary school with only with children of color. All of our teachers were of color. Um, And then my parents decided to move to a really small town called Moments, Illinois, which sort of flipped the script for me, which was a predominantly white community. And so I think understanding inequity and wanting to make sure that it didn't matter where you came from, how much money your parents made or whatever it was, that you had a solid foundation and opportunity, thus public education. My husband is from Indianapolis. He has always wanted to work for Lilly. So we came back here and he did his work at Butler and Pharmacy and I started my education career. Right. What made me start my business was that saying you are the leader you've been looking for, because not a lot has changed in schools that. Notion that Benjamin Franklin could come back into 2022 and look at the world and see airplanes and, you know, those kind of changes, but go into school and see the same five rows of six, the same chalkboard, the same delivery, right, that he saw when he walked the earth. And so how do we do something different so that all children have an opportunity? That was my jumping off. That was why I chose to go to Indiana Wesleyan through the DOL program to build expertise, right? You need to be an expert if you're going to try to tell people what to do. But then I discovered that my doctorate is in cultural intelligence and organizational culture, and that's not something that just schools need. And so my business has expanded from my initial thought around helping schools and school leaders to helping create environments where people can bring their authentic selves, but still meet the mission of the organization. I don't feel like you have to sacrifice one for the other. Mm. That's how I got here.
0: That's awesome. And I know kind of one of your taglines is to help you change the world. So this is a two-part question. One, why do you want to change the world? And two, how do you want to see the world changed?
1: So going back to equity, equity, We live in a country that is rich, but we have people who have no place to live, nothing to eat, no basic health care. We need to change that perspective. Certainly, we live in a capitalist society, and that has its pluses and minuses. But my parents gave us a great foundation, and we were always taught to those whom much is given, much is required. And so how do I make sure that it's not enough for me to be able to eat if I'm looking around at other people who can't eat? or for me to have a great place to live, which I do, um, but then there are people who are homeless. That is the motivator for me in terms of that. And I think in order to change that, you have to change people's dispositions, right? You can't regulate that. You can't government that. People have to want to make a change or to give a sacrifice or to do something differently. That's why it's helped me change the world because we've all got to you know, be in there rowing I'm a fan of Collins, the right people in the right seat on the bus. Like we've all got to get on a bus and be traveling in a direction where we're collaborating in ensuring that everybody has what God intended us to have. God didn't intend like, for there to be the haves and the have-nots, but the haves have to give something in order to help the have-nots. So that's really the why and the what.
0: Mm. And then, like you were saying earlier, that... You needed education to get to this point. So you got your bachelor's, you got your master's, and you got your doctorate. So how do you use what you learn to
1: help people? My undergrad degree is in math and science. And I think I probably use that less than the other degrees that I have. My master's degree is in secondary school administration. So it's all about leadership, leading people, managing people, inspiring people, and then the admin stuff, budgets and finance and strategic planning um, kind of foundation. My doctorate though is the gift as far as I'm concerned because it's in cultural intelligence and organizational leadership. And I think that's the piece where the dispositions hit. So what my company does is we work with individuals and organizations on how do we create those dispositions, right? How do we help you develop a strategic plan that's going to honor what your mission is as an organization, but build a culture that supports the people that carry out that mission? So those pieces really help me to be able to build teams that then collaborate with our clients to reach those kinds of goals. And it's amazing to watch people change. So we talk about the intersection of people and policy when we talk about change. And when you get to work with people who truly want to try to do something differently, include people or change their perspective, it's so rewarding to be able to see that growth and change happen.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And with starting your own business, that's not an easy task. So what was that like for you? And what was that process like of starting your own business?
1: For me, that is a that's a continuous process and not a finite process. So my undergrad and, and master's degree were purely education. So I could give you the content a hundred times over, but I had no foundation in the business side of it, right? And so my work in the DOL program certainly helped to enhance that. But, you know, at the doctoral level, you're not in business 101 or accounting 101. And that's where, for me, village building is really critical. So one of the sessions that I do is on purpose and building a village. And I think you have to be intentional. Uh, Someone sent me, I'm not a big Facebook fan. I apologize, Facebook, because you get a lot of things that for me are not beneficial but someone sent me a saying that you are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with, and that really made me reflect on like who are those people, and how am I spending that time, and is it really doing is my time really doing what I should be doing? That helped me then to be intentional about building my village, and so now my village um, has many more people in it than those five, but it's very intentional. I have people who feed me and who I feed spiritually, who helped me grow in business, who helped me find organizations that could support me and ways to learn about how to be an efficient and effective entrepreneur. And so that's what I advocate for. Nobody can know everything. And it's beyond just networking. It's people who are your mentors, your allies and your advocates. And so I have all of those in my village and I'm always building my village. I'm gonna tap you, Connor, for my village because I need your tech expertise. Like you've gotta have people in your village that challenge you and help you grow and help build who you are, not just from a business standpoint, but from a personal growth standpoint. So that's really how I have been able to run my business because your village is always growing as you grow and expand. That's my way.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, obviously, you have a passion for education, not just in learning, but in teaching and instructing others. Where did that begin for you? Because, I mean, you worked your way through all of these different degrees, and not a lot of people can do that. So, I guess another two part question How did you find the strength and forward motion to get through all of those degrees? But then also, where did that passion for that start?
1: So, a lot of people talk about the why. For me, it's the who, right? You can't get to the why if you don't know the who. And I grew up in a household, neither of my parents were educators, but education was so important in in everything that we did. So reading, every evening we had reading, we had library cards in the summer, traveling and seeing the world, building knowledge was always a part of what my parents expected and exposed us to. And one of the things that my dad always said to us is that no matter what happens in the world, your knowledge, what you put into your head, what you develop will always be with you. So never sell that short, right? Always make sure that you are building and never stop learning. And so I think that was the who, that's who I am, is that like I'm always learning stuff. I'm always out there. I think that's another reason why I like a book. Because I feel like somehow that makes me be learning more than if I'm just uh, sitting at my computer, even though I'm sure the content is about the same. And then I think like many kids, you play in your uh, neighborhood, the stuff that you enjoy playing, right? For me, it was playing school. Like I was the teacher, right? And sometimes I was the student. It's just a part of who I am. I think my husband keeps talking about retirement and I feel like if I ever retire, somehow I'm going to stop gaining knowledge because I learn from every client I work with, I learn something, right? So that's just who I am. And some parts of who you are, it's hard to explain. It's just always there for me.
0: That's really awesome. And I know that your dissertation, you were working through organizational culture, correct? Like the cultural intelligence. So how do you see organizational culture impacting then for any sort of company, any sort of school? How does that affect the people who attend it or use the services or that sort of thing?
1: So my dissertation has two parts. And so I need to talk about each part to answer that. The first piece is cultural intelligence. And I'll just have to tell you, we had the opportunity during the program to meet with Dr. Lynn Van Dyne, who is a part of the foundational work on cultural intelligence, the model that I study, and it really is applicable in ways I did not think possible. And so when we first heard from her, I thought, there is no way that you can measure people's desire to engage with each other or people's um, ability to strategize culturally. Like, how do you measure that? And so that's a part of the reason I chose that for my dissertation, because I was like, if we can do this, if we can help people understand how to engage with each other and learn how to get better at that engagement. There are so many issues. And remember, I was thinking about education in schools that we could address transformational leadership, all of the things that schools were going through in terms of restructuring. We could help leaders understand how to engage people, how to motivate people, how to understand people on a cultural level then that would make great strides in terms of creating the right environment. And then the second piece is looking at what does an ideal environment look like? What are those components? Not from the leadership perspective, but from the people who are boots on the ground doing that work every day. What do they need? And so my dissertation sort of marries those two things, that disposition piece with that organizational piece. And so that's why when you see those things come together, it's just amazing because people have the aha moment of, okay, this is why I'm getting that response and here's something we can do about it, but it's collaborative. So we only work with teams, whether that is a strategic planning team or an org development team, we work collaboratively with the teams, a leadership team to help them pull those two pieces together. That's why I said people and policy.
0: So then how did you take what you researched and wrote down with your dissertation and how'd you implement that in your business then?
1: We offer a lot of different options, but really basically it's a continuous improvement model. So we always start with assessment. We've got to know who you are if we're going to help you to be able to change and grow, right? So we collect a lot of data that you can't do a dissertation and not do. With collecting data, but we collect that data not only in terms of the organization, but also in terms of the culture, right? And then once we've got data, then we use that data to create surveys and focus groups. What are the key questions that we need to ask in the survey? And then how do we drill deeper? in focus groups. So we really get a picture for how we can help change. And then we give you a set of recommendations. So based on what we know about you and have heard you say about you, here are ways that you can change. Here are goals, here are strategies. And then I think the key piece for us, because a lot of companies will give you data, even a plan, is that we give you a year of implementation support because the plan is the easy part. The implementation is the hard part. And so people get a strategic plan or a plan for change, but they struggle with how to implement that. And I always say in my sessions, the only thing that likes change is a wet baby. So as you're looking to do these, change things, you need that external support. Sometimes it's inspiration, sometimes it's accountability, but that implementation piece helps to keep the cycle going so that then eventually we can let you go. We can transition away from that support and it has become embedded in your culture to follow that. Okay. We got to assess. Okay. However you do that. Okay. What do we change with our plan and how do we monitor? So that's how we have pulled all those pieces together into the business model.
0: So if there's someone listening in today who is like, I want to do that. I want to start my own business. I want to be working with these companies. What piece of advice would you give to them as a good place to start or a good road to follow?
1: My first, and I think one of the most valuable things for me, because remember I said I didn't have a business background, was the Small Business Association. It is national and key to um, starting businesses. It is free. And so you get a business mentor, someone who's either currently running or has run a business um, that will sit down with you and go through everything. Let you talk out loud. What should your business structure be? How do you develop a business plan? You know, all of those kinds of things. And then they have just a ton of different webinars and workshops, most of which are free. So as you start to think about things, you can then jump in and go, okay, I need a webinar on marketing, right? And so you can go to something and see what that means for you in the context of your business. Definitely check out the Small Business Association. But also going back to what I said about um, building your village, be intentional about having people, people who run small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses, who can help you and be a resource for you as you think through and implement and look for organizations that make sense for you to find those people. So I belong to the National Association of Women Business Owners, NABO, and currently now I am president-elect, but that has been an amazing resource and support for me. It's other women in business, businesses of all sizes and all industries. So that helps build your village, give you opportunities to engage with people who are on the path that you are on or have been on the path, right, that you are on or are doing what you want to do if you want to be one of those 10 million plus businesses, like how do you get there? And so seeking your village to be filled with organizations and individuals, like I said, who can mentor, be allies and be advocates. So those would be probably my two best pieces of advice.
0: Great, That is a wonderful place, I think, to end this episode. Dr. Banks, thank you so much for being on. Is there any place where people can follow you on social media or contact you for your services?
1: I'm on LinkedIn. My business, whatever it takes, is on Facebook. So you can always follow me there. I do have four podcasts out there helped me change the world. And so you can also connect to me in that way. And my email information is in all of those locations. I also have a website, whatever it takes, Inc. So you can find me there too. And if there's anybody who needs help, if I can't help you, I'm sure I can find somebody who can. So um, I just always say, I believe God gave everybody a gift. You know, you got to get out there and do what that gift is. And if I can support that in any way, I'm happy to do that.
0: Wonderful. We'll make sure to put those links in the show notes for this episode. Again, Dr. Banks, thank you so much for being on today.
1: Thank you for having me. And don't forget, I'm going to put you in my village.
0: (laughs) All right. Simply Why is brought to you by Indiana Wesleyan University. IWU is a nationally renowned, Christ-centered academic community dedicated to providing leading, innovative education opportunities for students of all ages, backgrounds, and life stages. To learn more about IWU's online, on-site, and hybrid programs, visit indwes.edu. And make sure to follow us on social media as well. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.